Okay. Now, if you got into Trinium, right away you can see the place that has been excavated. We know actually the boundaries of the city. We know the size of it was about one mile long, about half a mile wide. We uh, estimate the number of people who lived here, about 3,000, which is not a large city, but it's not a tiny small one. Um, try to uh, think of Jesus coming down here from Nazareth, as you said before, Nazareth at the time of Jesus, a tiny small village, about 30 families, um, and suddenly he comes down here after being rejected in Nazareth, and um, and that's that's his town. Basically, he stayed here in the house of Peter's mother-in-law, right? Uh, she was from here, and we know he stayed with her, and. Um, Therefore, when he's been active here, uh, that was probably his kind of base. He's like hometown. And from here, we went to the different kind of uh, places around the Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, for his ministry. Um, and as I said before on the bus, I mean, we, we read the, the Bible and we know a lot about his ministry and about his teachings and hearings and curings. And, but I mean, we don't know much about his kind of real day-to-day -day life. What, who are the people around him? What, 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 what's the land like? What's the country like? What's the people like? And for the first time, Jesus really had to bump into a large crowd, probably when was when he came down here. And now, let's think of, of, of Capernaum as a town. First of all, it sits along the main road. Okay, the main road connected to the Via del Mar, the road of the sea coming from Egypt. The whole way. And then at one point there was no way to continue along the coast because of the swamps. The road had to take sort of a detour to the east and then it divided, was divided into different branches. One would go straight east towards Mesopotamia across the Jordan River. The other one would go towards Damascus and the third one would go towards Phoenicia up north, I mean where today is Lebanon and towards Turkey. So the road coming from the Via del Mar would go via Megiddo, we're going to see on Tuesday, and then from Megiddo towards Tiberias, Magdala, Capernaum, Caesarea Philippi, the whole way to Damascus. That's the main road. What's the advantage of a city being on the main road? Visitors, taxis, travelers. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, everyone who actually travels, you provide, of course, all of the services along the way, and on top of it, trade. Goods would come to you, don't necessarily have to transport everything outside. Traders would actually come, do the trades with you, take your goods, you buy whatever you need. So it's actually a great, great, I mean, location is actually great for, for businesses. So first, I mean, the location is very, very interesting here because it's along that road and you can see all of those main towns along the road eventually ending up in the buses. What do you think people in Capernaum actually made for living? Fish, Fish sandwiches. Fish, right? <laughs> fish, right? Because we buy the lake. After today, fishing is a major industry here in the lake. So fishing. So if you have, if you have fishing, what else people would have, would have actually made except for being the fishermen? Boats. Boats, right? People need to make the boats. Net, nets. Nets. That's where you sell the fish. Fishing nets. So basically everything supporting that industry, right? Everything supporting that industry. Is something people would have Cat actually made for living. Now, not only that, uh, also agriculture. Okay, I'm going to read for you a source in, uh, in a few minutes describing the agriculture and the fertile land 
around Copernicus. <laughs> I witnessed from 2,000 years ago by a guy named Josephus Flavius, <coughs> I guess you've heard the name. He's been here. And he describes Capernaum in a very, very uh, amazing way. I'm going to read for you in a second. So basically, farming is another industry. Now, I'm going to read from Matthew 8, verse, what is this, 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. What is a centurion? <coughs> soldier. Soldier. High, rank and Roman High soldier. Roman soldier. What is CN? A hundred. A hundred. A centurion would be a commander of a hundred soldiers. Okay, so that's the centurion. And then, of course, you, you're probably familiar with the, uh, with the verse. You just say to him, shall I, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west, and we take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will, not, will be thrown out outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and uh, gnashing of, of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it, be, let, let it be done, just as you believed it would. And his servants went, and his servant was healed at that moment. So we all know the story of the faith of the Satyrian, not from Israel, etc. What can we learn out of this text? There was at least one Satyrian in Capernaum. It means there were a minimum of how many soldiers? At least 100. 100. Can you imagine having 100 soldiers in a small village of, of Nazareth? There's no need, right? We understand Capernaum was important enough for the Romans due to its location and probably its industry. And prosperity to have to have a hundred soldiers here. So you can see how you can take a text which we take in a very uh, one way of reading, but you can actually take a lot of information about from that text. Just to give you another example, um, this would be chapter nine, verse uh, nine. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I, des I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And again, a very foundational kind of uh, story, uh, picking up Matthew or Levi, that was his Hebrew name, uh, Levi, Levi. But again, what was his job? Tax, what was his tax collector, right? And then he worked for whom? 
Romans. For the Romans to, to, to collect taxes. And in the evening they had this dinner with many tax collectors and sinners, because we don't like tax collectors, we call them sinners, right? <laughs> they affiliate together. Yeah. So there are many tax collectors in Capernaum. You can imagine in Nazareth, maybe twice a year they would have sent a tax collector to collect the money from the 30 families. Here there was a reason to have tax collectors, many, all working for the Romans. Were they be, have they been beloved by the public? Probably not. But I mean, they were here, they were working for the Romans. What was the tax rate? We don't have any information from here, but we have documents to tell us what was the tax rate of the Romans in Egypt, the Nile Valley. And that was 40%. Now 40% of the good, 40% of the benefit, 40% of the profit, 40% of the weight of the fish. We don't know, we just say what it was. So probably here it could have been 37 or 43. We're not sure, but we have an idea why people actually dislike the Romans so much. Because the taxes were, I mean, if you get some fish, 153 fish, 40%, how much would it be? No, just <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, that, trying to show you, I mean, how you can take different parts of the text and gain and really collect that piece of information about what was Capernaum at the time. We could do the same with other places and we can, I can give you more examples just to show you how we try to understand the time of Jesus, the life of Jesus. We know the landscape. We, you know, walking from Nazareth to here, today there is a place we just uh, recreated it in a way, we call it Jesus Trail. <coughs> and you walk from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee, try to follow the same path Jesus took at the time. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a walking distance, of course, but it's not like a, a, a Saturday morning walk. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's a bit more than that, but we can actually follow those tracks after today, which is pretty amazing. So uh, putting this landscape, the geography, the topography, and then also to understand the day-to-day, -day, what people made for living, the tax collectors, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, uh, centurion, Romans are around here all the time. I mean, that's, that's the day-to-day -day life here. This is what Jesus really encounters and experiences when he moves to Capernaum. And that's a huge change and a shift for him and his Real ministry started here because for the first time he really sees, you know, the mob, right? Yeah. Um, I want to read for you, maybe one of you would like to do that. I don't know, but I mean, uh, from, as I said, Josephus Flavius, and who, you know, he's the most reliable stone of that kind yeah. of time. We'll talk about his biography, yeah. not now, but he describes Capernaum from his perspective when he was here. And he says, killing the lake of Genesaret, of Genosar, and also bearing that name lies a region whose natural properties and beauty are very remarkable. There is not a plant which its fertile soil refuses to produce, and its cultivators, in fact, grow every species. The air is so well tempered that it suits the most opposite varieties. The walnut, a tree which delights in the most wintry climate, here grows luxuriantly besides palm trees which thrive on heat, and figs and olives which require a milder atmosphere. One might say that nature had taken pride in thus uh, assembling by a tour de force the most de deco decadent species in a single spot, and that by happy uh, rivalry, rivalry each of the seasons wish, uh, wish to claim 
this region for own. For not only has the country this uh, surprising merits of producing such diverse fruits, but it also preserves them. Preserves them for ten months without intermission. It supplies those kings of fruits, the grape and the fig. The rest are mature of, uh, on the trees the whole year round. Besides being favored by its genial air, the country is watered by a highly fertilizing spring called by the inhabitants Capernaum. Mm. Wow. That is a description of what today we call the only natural delta of Israel, which is really, I mean, east of Capernaum, where the Jordan River actually gets to the Sea of Galilee, to the lake, with some streams coming from the Galilee and from the Golan Heights all merged together. That creates the only natural delta in the country, which is up to today the most fertile land we have in the region. So this is a description from Josephus Flavius from 2,000 years ago, around the time of Jesus Christ being here. So except for fishing, we definitely speak of agriculture. And, um, and that's actually what uh, Capernaum, I guess, was based on economically uh, at the time of Christ. Now, what we're going to do now, we're going to actually walk into probably uh, one of the most famous uh, constructions in Capernaum, which is this one over here. Before getting in, we're going to just stop and then we can look to the other side, because on the other side, you'll be able to see the, you'll be able to see the remnants of Capernaum of the time of Jesus, of the first century. Okay? You can already understand that the building we're going to get into, which is a synagogue, is not from his period of time. And you'll be able to see the difference right away with your eyes. You, you don't need actually uh, a lot in order to realize these are two different periods of time. Okay, so. Hey, Austin Weist is gonna share a quick word. Oh yeah, of course. Here we go. Right here? Here, okay. here or? Right here? Right now. Um, now? You could, or it probably No, let's do it in the synagogue. synagogue. Let's do it in the synagogue. Let's go in the synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> 